Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. 1 Corinthians 3, 5. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. Verse 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Someone say amen. amen. Verse 7. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters, they're one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 9. For we are God's fellow Workers. The King James says we are working together with God. How many is thankful that you're working together with God this morning? You are God's field. The King James says husbandry, which means field. You are God's building. I want you to see that in verse 9 again. You are God's field. You are God's garden. The Moffat translation, it's real good. Let me read you that one. Verse 6, Paul says, I did the planting, Apollos did the watering. Notice this, but it was God who made the seed grow. So neither planter nor waterer counts, <clears throat> but God alone who makes the seed grow. Won't you say this? Say, God, God makes, makes the seed grow. Verse 9, we work together in God's service. You are God's field to be planted. You are God's field to be planted. The amplified version of that same portion of Scripture says, You are God's garden, vineyard, and field under cultivation. You are God's garden, vineyard, field under cultivation. My intentions today for, for you is to see this, that you are God's garden... You are a field that has been purchased with the blood of Christ to be sown with the imperishable seed, which is the Word of God, so that you might bear much glorious fruit, the promises of God being made manifest in your life. You are God's garden. If we can get a hold of this teaching this scriptural understanding that you have been bought like a farmer buys a field, like a farmer buys a piece of property. You have been purchased for the sole purpose of having the Word of God sown into your life so that you can bear fruit, God kind of fruit the promises of God being made alive in your life. Now, you say, well, you know, of course, Jesus, he died so I could be saved. Well, that's salvation fruit. When you hear and believe and receive the testimony of God's word, which is Jesus is the risen son of God who died on the cross for your sin, and you believe that, Romans 10 tells us, and then you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you were saved. The Bible says with the heart you believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth you make confession unto salvation. You heard the word, it was planted in your heart, and it grew and it, bore, it brought forth a harvest, salvation. And this is the process by which we receive the promises of God. Really, you could think of it this way. You're God's garden, or you could say it this way, how to receive from God how to receive the promises of God in your life, which 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us are yes and amen. 
Yes and amen. You're in 1 Corinthians 3. I want you to see this first point. It's vital. Turn to 2 Corinthians, or first, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Just a few chapters over. You are God's garden. You are God's field. You're his vineyard under cultivation, being planted, tended, having a harvest brought forth. You are God's field and a high, high, the highest cost that's ever been paid for any field was paid for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? How many is thankful for that? You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, he, the Spirit and presence of God dwelt in the tabernacle. It dwelt, he dwelt in one place. But now in the new covenant, a better covenant, the Spirit of God now resides on the inside of us. Now, obviously, we still, you know, we've consecrated this place as a place of worship and a place of prayer. Amen? Amen. And even as the book of Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling together of the brothers and sisters in Christ. We, it's good to be here. How many likes coming to church? I like coming to church. You made a good decision today. It changes your life. But the power is this. When I get here, it's just an extra blessing. When I get here, it, it's just more of it. But it doesn't mean when I leave here, I leave the presence of God. He's now inhabiting and dwelling in me. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you? Say, God is in me. You get a hold of that, that changes your perspective. That changes the way you think, the way you talk, the way you live. God's in me. Not afar off. He dwells in me. Whom you have from God. Your body, it's from God. And you're not your own. You're not your own. You could say it this way. Your spirit, your soul, your body is on loan from God. It's just on loan. He made, you know, he, he brought out of the dust of the earth and made that body of Adam. And then he breathed the breath, the Hebrew, the breath of lives into him so that Adam could bring forth seed on the earth, children. But it all came from God. I'm just on loan from God. I'm just here for a time and a season. I'm like Abraham. I'm a sojourner looking for a city whose foundation is built by God. I'm just passing through. Verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Notice again, which are God's. Your spirit, your soul, your body, who you are, was purchased with the blood of Christ. Acts chapter 20 verse 28 says that he bought us with his own blood. Don't ever let anyone tear you down or allow any deception of Satan to come against the image of God which you bear. Don't let any lie or deceit come and tear you down and make you feel less than. You have been purchased at the highest price any person thing has ever been paid for. There is no transaction that has ever taken place that's greater than the one that took place for your spirit, soul, and body. Ever, the wealth of heaven was paid for your salvation. God himself bought you. You are God's field. You're God's garden. You were bought with the highest price ever. Now, the question you have to ask is, well, why would God do that? Why would God pay that price? Well, he loves you. But it is for the purpose, the same reason a farmer buys a field. He wants to produce his fruit in your life. He bought you so that he could move, live, breathe, and have his being in you. He purchased you with his blood so that he could move through your hands walk through your feet, speak through your mouth, and fill your life with heaven. That's why Jesus taught us when he taught us to pray. Pray after this manner. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's 
the farmer of heaven purchased a field on earth, you, so that he could produce the fruit of heaven in you. He wanted to take some of heaven, bring it down here to earth, and produce it in you so that heaven gets spread around in the earth. You're God's garden, you're God's field. Notice this, again, as I said, 1 Corinthians 3, we're going to be working through those verses. Verse 6, I planted. Paul's telling the Corinthian church, of course, as led by the Holy Spirit, but the general principle of a Christian is to plant seed. That's your job, to plant seed. Paul said, I planted. That's why you buy a field. That's why you have a garden. A garden that has nothing growing in it is not very impressive. Amen? I've had a few of those. One of the, some of those, I'm going to get around to it gardens. And what happens? You never get around to it. And there ain't nothing in it to get out of it. Except weeds. You're in 1 Corinthians 3. Look at this. Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus, he's teaching. And he gives this story. He teaches this story, this parable about the sower. And when he gets done teaching it, the first half of it, he actually tells the disciples, you know, do you understand this? They say, no, we don't quite get a handle on this. He said, how are you going to understand anything else I say unless you get a hold of this one? Unless you understand this teaching that I just taught, you can't understand any other thing about the way heaven operates. Matthew 13, 3. Then Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Mark chapter 4, verse 14, it says, The sower sowed the word. You know, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all have the same principles and same stories and same teachings that Jesus gave. But what's interesting is when the Holy Spirit moved on them, they got a little bit different perspective. You know, right now as you're sitting here, you're listening to the Word of God, you're hearing the same Word taught, but depending on what you need right now, the Holy Spirit's giving you grace to hear different parts of the message. It's not that you hear less or hear more, it's just there's certain things the Holy Spirit is highlighting that's coming across from the pages of the Word of God for your time and need right now. He will rev- there'll be certain things that you get, a, it, it hits you in your chest, and you whoa, wow, I've never seen that before. And the person you're sitting right beside, it's not that they're less or more anointed, it's just they didn't need what you got. But a few minutes later, they'll get something like that too. And, and, Jesus, and that's the same way that happened with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark says the sower went to sow the word. If you look in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, it says the seed is the word of God. I want you to say that. Say the seed is the word of God. A sower went to sow. What did he sow? The word of God. Verse 4. He sowed and some seed. Say some seed. Some seed fell by the wayside. Hard ground, pathway, used only for walking. Birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places. Some of these seed fell where there's a bunch of rocks and stones. I remember watching my grandfather till up his garden every year. And he had a, you know, walk-behind tiller. And you'd watch him and he'd be running through, turning that dirt over, turning it over, and all of a sudden he'd stop. And I'd see him walk around in front of the tiller He'd lean over, do a few things, and the next thing I saw, he had a handful of rocks. Threw them out. You've got to get the rocks out of the way to till up the dirt so that when the seed gets sown out there, it has something to take root into. Amen? Some fell on stony places where they did not have much dirt, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, Because there was no root, they withered away. The book of Luke says they had no moisture, no rain. They had no roots under them going deep into the ground to get what they needed to live. Verse 6, or excuse me, verse 7. Some of these seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Here's a seed, it's growing, but it gets choked out by what's around it. 
And then some seed, which I believe that's you and that's me, fell on good ground. Say, I'm good ground. And yielded a crop. Some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The Word of God is the seed by which God plants into your life His promises. Now, if you know, I, well, I said He plants. Notice, the Word of God is a seed, not He plants, we plant. Paul said, I planted. I planted. There is a seed, an imperishable seed. 1 Peter 1, verse 23 tells us that. The Word of God is an imperishable seed. It is an everlasting seed. The Word of God is an incorruptible, ever-living seed. Does that sound familiar? Like we just professed this morning. It's an incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed. The Word of God has within it the nature and life of God. Because the Word of God is God. It's, It's Him. We see that in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The seed of heaven, the seed in the kingdom of heaven is the word of God. And you and I have a responsibility to plant. Paul said, I planted. I planted. Now, if you notice in what we just read, this this parable, the responsibility of the seed taking root is not the seed or the sower. It's the dirt. Look at this. Same chapter, Matthew 13, verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, doesn't understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away that was sown in his heart. This field that was bought with a high price for the purpose of planting a seed didn't receive a seed. They didn't understand it. They didn't take it in. They did not receive it to themselves. Luke 8 says this, Luke 8, 12, those by the wayside, I'm going to compare these for you, are they that hear, and then the devil comes, and he takes the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. How do you believe and receive salvation? A word gets planted in your heart, And it remains. What you allow into your heart is what your heart will produce. That's why it's so important what I'm looking at, what I'm listening to, what I'm thinking on, who I'm around, what I'm entertaining, what I allow to have access to my life. Because what comes into my heart and remains is what my heart will produce. All you got to do is leave dirt untended and weeds are going to grow. It's amazing. I have to spray weeds. And, you know, I just I keep thinking about it. Weeds grow where they're not supposed to. And sometimes the very places you want to plant grass, you're throwing grass seed down and weeds are shooting up. You got to work on that dirt. Maybe it's hard and you got to soften it up. Maybe it needs some rain. Maybe it needs some fertilizer. But you know, you walk out in a parking lot. What in the world does a parking lot have weeds shooting up through it? There are weeds in this life that are just waiting for an opportunity to grow in your heart. And if it remains there, it'll spring up. Verse 20. Matthew 13, 20. But he who received the seed on the stony places. This is the dirt with a lot of rocks in it. You know, the book of Ezekiel says, by the Spirit of the Lord, Ezekiel says, in that day, I'm going to take out your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. There is a necessary ministry of the Holy Spirit to convict and change. And it's not a one-time event. You know, I pray that prayer all the time because I know myself. Lord, if there's any rocks in this field, bust them up with the plow of the Holy Spirit. 
I don't want anything here. And, you know, or if I see it, I, you, you don't have to have a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit to just say, that ain't right, I don't need to be doing that. Amen. And he said, I don't want to put any rocks back in this dirt that, that, that the Holy Spirit's already drug out. But the, so, the soil that has rocks, verse 20, is the person who receives the word, look at that, hears the word and immediately receives it with what? Joy. Oh, yes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, I like that. Oh, glory, yes. Shouting and hollering. Receiving it with joy. You should receive it with joy. But what happens, verse 21, there's no root in himself. So imagine a seed. You know, out here you think rocks, but concrete, parking lot. A seed, it sprouts forth. Green, beautiful little shoot full of life, but those roots have nowhere to go. So it's going to live, but only for a short time because it's not rooted to anything. There's no root in himself, 21, but endures only for a while. I don't want to endure for a short amount of time. I don't want to be in the presence of the Lord for a little bit of time. I don't want to win and have the victory in Christ for a short amount of time. I want to be he who endures to the end and is saved. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. Some people don't like the word. Some people don't care for it. They really don't like it when they hear you saying it. They don't care for it. And so you've got word growing in you. But what is the rocks? The rocks are hard places of the heart that won't receive the word with joy. Superficially, on the outside, yes, glory to God. But then when some a little bit of tribulation and a little bit of persecution and a little bit of pressure, a little bit of kickback comes, they forsake the word. Immediately he stumbles. Immediately he draws back. The book of Hebrews says the person that draws back from faith in God. God won't receive that person. You can't draw back from the things of God and still be right with God. Because I can't deny His Word and receive Him. You know, some people have made idols in their hearts because they have an idea of who they think is God, but it don't line up with the Word. Well, you know, after all, it's 2021, A.J. And this is an antiquated book, and after all, you know, uh, it doesn't apply to today. Works in my life. It applies to my life. When I receive it, hear it, obey it, accept it, live like it's true, man, it's producing fruit in my life. How about yours? No, 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 no. I, the Word of God doesn't change, and I'm thankful for that because man's continually changing. The Word, the seed from heaven that's being sown into the field that Jesus bought, that seed doesn't change. In fact, God said that, Malachi 3.6. I change not. And because I don't change, you're not consumed. Because God is unchanging, He is the same, Hebrews 13, 8, yesterday, today, and forever. I'm still here. How many can say, I'm here because God doesn't change? Because He's faithful and we can commit ourselves to Him, we're here receiving this seed. I planted. Notice that Paul said, I planted. Say, I plant. It is your responsibility to plant seed. It's, your, it's the responsibility of the believer to plant seed. And you say, well, how do I plant seed? How do I plant the seed of the Word of God? Well, right now, seed's being thrown out. Every time I read the Word of God and, and, and it, you know, give commentary on it and, and illustrate it by the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, because I realize that I have great limitation. But the Holy Spirit anoints the Word of God and seeds being cast out. That's how you plant. One way you plant is being here. How do you plant? Studying the Word of God. Reading the Word of God. Oh, I see what you say there, Lord. Okay, I receive that. Yes, you say I shouldn't do that. I now don't do that. I've planted a seed. How do you plant seed? Praying over the Word of God. How do you plant the seed? <laughs> Speaking the Word of God. How do you plant seed? Hearing the Word of God and then obeying it. That's how you plant seed. See, the seed that God gives us is the most precious seed that there is. 2 Peter 1, verse 4, let me read this to you. It says, Whereby we are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. 
that by these promises you might be a partaker of the divine nature. The seed, the word of God, is a seed that will spring up the divine nature of God in your life. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price so that God can give you seed to plant so that you can have a harvest of His divine nature. This is why you look different. This is why you act different. This is why you talk different. This is why you get around people and they like being around you because you're full of hope. You're full of faith. You're full of joy. They just like, you actually are someone that carries the peace of God. They like it. I like walking through the strawberry patch at Stewart Farms when we're picking strawberries. And I, you know, I always eat more than I bring home. No, I don't. You got to pay for those things. I tell you what, Naomi was eating them. She was red as a strawberry herself. It's good to walk around where the fruit's at. It's good to walk past the apple tree and there's apples on it. And people like being around you because you've got the divine nature of God. That is a life-changing understanding. It's not my nature. You, you get a hold of that. In John chapter 8, you know, it's very familiar. Whomever the Son sets free is free indeed. Right before he says that, he said, if anyone commits sin, he's a slave of sin. And a slave doesn't abide in the house of the master, but a son abides in the house of the master. And whomever the son sets free is free indeed. When you take that whole passage of what Jesus said, that changes things. It's not just I'm free, it's I'm not a slave to sin. I don't have a sin nature. Now, before I got saved, I had a sin nature. That's why it's not a surprise to commit sin when it's your nature. It's not a surprise to say, well, you know, I planted apple seeds, and you know what I got? Well, apple tree. How'd you know? The seed, it's silly, isn't it? The seed determines the harvest. The seed determines the harvest. The seed that you plant foretells what you're going to reap. I don't like what I'm reaping. You got bad seed. Change the seed. Plant the exceeding great and precious seeds from heaven. Plant a different seed and you'll get a different crop. Don't mix the seed. You know, we have a contractor... Contractor mix that we throw out in the winter, it's got winter rye and fescue. That way the rye pops up in the winter. When it dies, the fescue's already taken root and it comes up in spring. That's a good plan for your lawn. Bad plan for your heart. Don't have mixed seed for your heart. (laughs) A little bit of devil seed and a little bit of God seed. No, 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 no. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Why shouldn't you do that? Well, Jesus tells you in Matthew 13, 22 where you're still at. Now, he who received the seed among the thorns, mixed seed, is the person who hears the word, but then the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And that ground that had mixed seed, good seed, and thorn seed becomes unfruitful. It wasn't that the seed that was good didn't produce It was this other seed that was allowed to take root. Thorns choked out the good seed. Don't become your own worst enemy. Don't plant two kinds of seed that are going to fight each other. Because what will happen is you'll become unfruitful. A little bit in, a little bit out. It's what Jesus told to the seven churches. One of the churches he told... In the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, he's saying, you, one of the churches, he said, you, you've grown lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot or cold, but you're wishy-washy. You're right here in the middle. You're right here in the middle, and I can't stand that. I'd rather spew you out than have 
I'd rather you be cold or hot, but lukewarm, I can't take it. I don't want any part of that. Don't allow thorns to choke out. Now, what are these thorns? Cares of the world. Deceitfulness of riches. In Luke chapter 8, verse 14, and they that which fell among the thorns are they which have heard. They go forth and they're choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And they bring no fruit to perfection. 1 John chapter 2 tells us that the lust of the eyes, the lust of the mind, and the pride of life is sin. Sin, can, sin falls in those three broad categories. You know, I got a revelation of this when I was studying this. How do you prevent? We can understand, well, yeah, that makes sense. These thorns are going to choke out the word. But how do you prevent the thorns? James chapter 1 says that when temptation comes to fruition or to fullness, it becomes sin. Just like the Word of God is the imperishable seed that will produce the divine nature and the fulfilled promises of God in your life, so is temptation. Temptation is sin in seed form. When I allow... Notice... Satan's going to tempt. That's what he does. He's casting out seed too. Satan's going around casting out seed. There's another parable that Jesus talks about, the parable of wheat and tares. And a good farmer goes out and he plants weed, and in the night his enemies come by and throw out tares. Now that's individuals. And, and, G, and Jesus said, well, the master said, let it come to fruit and you'll be able to tell who's who. But don't go start ripping, ripping things up right now because you may pull up some wheat with the tares. It's not my job, your job, to go around and be a fruit inspector. Amen? I got my own fruit to inspect. I don't need to spend my time telling you whether your fruit's good enough or not or this and that because I don't know anything, really. All I know is what I can see and hear and what you tell me, which ain't much. And vice versa. So you don't, you don't go around managing other people. But how do you stop these thorns from bearing fruit? When, when Satan throws out temptation seed, which is sin in seed form, you kick that seed out. You, you, <laughs> you get the roundup of the Holy Ghost and spray that seed. Man, I don't want that thing growing in... That's dandelions. I don't want that. It's going to be yellow for about three days, and then it's going to turn white, and then it's going to blow everywhere. You spray that thing with roundup. When temptation comes, or think about this, another way you could say it, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're to take every thought captive that comes across our mind. Not some, not most, every thought. And then we take that thought and we judge it against the Word of God. And if it doesn't line up with imperishable seed, the Word of God, you remove it. Literally, that Greek there in the... 2 Corinthians 10 is like an executioner, a, a person who is managing prisoners. You imprison every single thought. And if the thought doesn't line up with the Word of God, you execute it. Cut that thing off at the root and get rid of it. You know, it's funny. I've got a... Uh, right now I have a sapling that's growing through a trellis where there's some pretty flowering plants, but there's a sapling that's worked its way up through. You know, if I had pulled that thing out of the ground two years ago, it would have been this big. And I could have walked over there and jerked it out and tossed it to the side. It would dry up and die. But now that it's about this thick, I'm going to have to cut it. The longer those thorn seeds stay rooted in the ground, ooh, the more damage it does when you pull it out. It ain't that you can't, but you got to take a hold of that thing that's invaded your life with such a force that you execute that thing and get every bit of it out of your life. Dad and I, we were working earlier this year on his driveway, cutting back a lot of the green brush, and that UPS driver came down the road, and he had a, he had a word of knowledge. It truly was a prophetic word. He said, I think y'all are fighting a losing battle. Because we're cutting back all this brush. <laughs> Problem is, we're cutting it down. But if you don't get that root out of the ground, what's happening already? Oh, green shoots again. 
Mm. You know, God said this to Cain in Genesis 4. He says, Cain, don't you realize that sin is at the door of your heart, crouching? Just like, just like you see on National Geographic documentaries, these tigers, these lions, these cheetahs, they, they got all that energy in their hind legs. They're just ready. They're ready to pounce. And man, when they let go, they take in and they go after that prey. That's what sin's trying to do to the hearts of believers. Satan's looking for an opportunity. Don't give him one. Do not give him one. Matthew 13, verse 23. This is you. This is who you are right here. I believe that. But the person who receives seed on good ground is the person who hears the word, understands it, and who indeed bear fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Luke 8.15 says, But that on the good ground are they which have an honest and good heart. Having heard the word, they keep it. And they bring forth fruit with patience, with endurance. See, the process by which the seeds of God's word come into your life is you plant seed. Now, it's not enough just to plant the seed. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 3, 6? We read it. I planted and Apollos, this, this other missionary evangelist, Apollos watered. Anyone ever planted a plant in the springtime? One thing happened after another, and you didn't notice maybe some ferns on the front porch or some flowers or something. You planted it. You forgot about it. And when you came back, it was all dried up and shriveled up. Anyone ever happened to that? It was just me. Laura says, you did water the plants, didn't you? Oh, yeah. And I go run out there and say, come on. And you dumping gallons of water on it, hoping that thing comes back to life. <laughs> I watered it three weeks ago. You have, I planted, Apollos watered, God brought the increase. You plant the word of God in your heart. How do you do that? Speak it. Say it. You look at Psalms 119. Uh, D David, he's writing the longest chapter in the entire Bible. He's writing it for his sons. And he's going through there, and he says things like, I rejoiced at your word. Your word was praise in my lips. I heard your word, and I obeyed it. I heard your word, and I kept it. I heard your word, and I walked in its laws. I kept my eyes on your word. I kept my hearing filled with your word. I spoke your word. I declared your word among the people. How do you plant? How do you water? You speak that word. You declare that word. You pray that word. You believe that word. And against all hope, like Abraham did, against all hope, you have hope in the word. Well, it don't look like it. Hey, it may not look like it right now, but you need to understand, I'm planting and watering the word, and God's bringing the increase. You think about that. We talk this language naturally, but it, will, it came from the spirit world. What you got planted over there? I got tomatoes planted over there. What is it? Seed in the ground. Now, what if someone said, I don't see no tomatoes over there. Well, I just planted them two days ago. Yeah, but I don't see any tomatoes. Well, it takes a little bit of time, but I planted the seed and, and they're getting watered right now. I've got tomatoes planted over there. Well, I don't see them. It's going to take some time. I'm not making the seed grow, but I'm planting it and I'm watering it and I got tomatoes out there. Amen. And you don't look healed. I just plant and water. I just plant and water. My God said that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I was healed. Father God, I thank you that I'm healed in my body, which is not my own. It's your temple. It's your responsibility, Lord. You bought this body, so I thank you. You don't allow sickness in heaven. You're not going to allow it in this temple. So I'm healed. I'm just planting and watering. I'm just planting and watering, and God's bringing the increase. You don't look like it. Wait, because a harvest is coming. A harvest is coming. And I will be so gracious as to let you come to the table and dine of the fruit that has been born by the power of God when it comes in. And you may say you're eating crow, but it's going to be good. I want you to see this. This is real. This is how we live our life. 
It's not a theory. We ain't practicing it. It ain't a good thought. It ain't just, well, that sounds great. This is how we live and overcome. By the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. When Laura and I were believing for a child, we purposed our hearts and our minds to stay on the Word of God concerning children and what God promised. And we refused to allow anything else to change our thinking. So what I have here, for easy access, is on my iPad highlighted. Every day, every day, I'm planting, I'm watering. Exodus 3.26, nothing shall cast forth their young, nor be barren in the land. Lord, I thank you. My wife doesn't miscarriage, nor is she barren. If she doesn't miscarriage and she's not barren, then she will have a child from her own womb, and that child will be born. And then the next part, the numbers of thy days I will fulfill. That child will be born, and you will fulfill the number of their days. And I just ran it. That's Exodus 23, 26. And I just kept on going. Deuteronomy 28, 11. And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods and in the fruit of your body. Lord, I thank you. I'm planting and watering. I thank you, Lord God. I'm plenteous in the fruit of my body. It doesn't matter. Even if I got a doctor's report that said I don't have fruit in the body to produce, I'm plenteous in the fruit of my body because your word says it and I refuse to receive anything else. I refuse to receive a seed that has a different testimony. I'm receiving the exceedingly great and precious promises of God that says I'm plenteous in the fruit of my body. I'm plenteous in the fruit of my body. And I just kept going. I'm faster than my paper Bible. Planting and watering. I, went to, I would go to Psalms 112. Psalms chapter 112. And I would say verse 2 before the Lord. His descendants shall be mighty on the earth. And the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Lord, you said my descendants are going to be mighty on the earth. How can my descendants be mighty unless I have some? I'm planting and watering. I'm planting and watering. Psalms 113 verse 9. He grants the barren woman a home and makes her a joyful mother of children. I'm planting and watering. My wife shall be a joyful mother of children. I'm planting and watering. It don't look like you got a baby yet. Why are you buying baby clothes? I'm planting and watering because I've got seed on the way that's producing a harvest. Psalms 127 verse 3. Lo, children are an inheritance from the Lord. Lord, you promised, you made it, you have given me an inheritance which are children. The fruit of my wife's womb is my reward. I thank you there's fruit in her womb. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, my children shall be to me in my youth. I thank you, Lord, I'm going to be a young man having children. And I'm a happy man because my quiver is full of those arrows, full of children. I'm planting and watering. Psalms 128.3 Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants will be around your table. Laura, buy a big table because I'm going to have a lot of children around it. I'm planting and watering. We, we were cleaning out the closet. We found a, a boy onesie in the closet. I, I, I was certain Samuel was going to be born first. We got names. Because I've got seed on the way. I've got seed that's going to produce a harvest. Naomi came first. Praise God. I, I wouldn't change anything now. But I still got that boy's onesie. We picked out names. Why You shouldn't get your hopes up. Look at Romans chapter 4. Get your hope up. Hope in God. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Verse 17. As it's written, I've made you a father of many nations. That's what God said to Abraham. God told Abraham, you're a father of many nations when Abraham didn't have one kid. God starts with the end. This is what it shall be. You are healed because I paid a price for it. It don't look like it. Bad seed. 
root it up and plant good seed. You shall be made rich. All your needs shall be met. Yeah, but there's inflation. Wrong seed. It's not my God's going to supply all my need according to His riches and glory unless the inflation rate goes above 3%. Wrong seed. Well, those that keep their mind on the Lord shall be filled with peace. I, I, I just don't... I'm, not, I'm so anxious. Wrong seed. Romans 4.17. This is what God said. In the presence of Him, God, who He, Abraham, believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. God starts with the end. He calls it as it shall be and says it is this way. Verse 18, who against all hope, in hope believed. Don't get your hopes up. Why not? Is God going to promise me something He won't fulfill? The only thing that I believe to be impossible is that God would lie. That's all I believe that's impossible. That God would say something and it wouldn't come to pass in my life. Verse 20, because Abraham didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced. How did he get to a place of being fully convinced? He planted and watered. How, hey, how you doing? I'm Abraham. In the Hebrew, what is he saying? Hey, how you doing? I'm a father of many nations. And they're looking over his shoulder. All I see is the servants. All I see is the son that you had with this other woman uh, who now became the enemy of, of Israel. Don't, don't go out and try to make seed increase on your own strength. You'll produce an Ishmael. No, you plant, you water, and commit the growth of the seed to God. Because as we saw, you plant, you water, and God brings the increase. God makes the seed grow. I'm not making the seed grow. 2 Timothy 1.12 says that God is faithful, and I can commit to Him what He has given to me. He has given me His seed, His words. I plant it, I water it by the faith of my confession, by the prayer of my life, by the obedience of my actions, and I commit the growth of the seed to God. I do not concern myself with the growth of the seed. I only concern myself with the planting and the watering. The planting and the watering. And I fully convince myself it shall not be any other way than what God has said. I bring my... You're a little fanatical, aren't you? I'm sold out, baby. Imagine if you said that to a farmer. Yeah, I got soybeans in those 200 acres over there. How you know you're going to have soybeans? I tilled it up, I planted it, and I got irrigation. That's a little fanatical, isn't it? What do you think is going to happen? You think I'm going to get carrots? Genesis 1.12, every seed produces after its own kind. You want healing? Healing seed. You need peace? Peace seeds. You want a strong marriage? Marriage seeds. You looking for a husband and wife? <laughs> hey, the book of Psalms, chapter 68, he sets the single into a family. There's marriage seed. Glory to God. Add in there by the prayer of faith, tall, dark, and handsome. Amen. Glory. The desire of your heart. Amen. Plant the seed of the harvest you want. Now look at this. Proverbs chapter 4. We're, we're ending here. Todd said he's got bet on me that I'm going to only have three endings. And he promised to give me half of what he bet against Dad. Dad thinks it's more than three. So I'm going to stick to three because I get half of the payout. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Proverbs 4, verse 20. You're God's garden. He bought you. He bought you and He's given you seed. And He wants you to plant that seed, water that seed, so that He can increase and make that seed grow in your life so that you can have a harvest. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Notice that. That's planting. That's watering. Give attention. Pay attention. Listen to what I'm saying. All right, Lord, I'm listening. 
incline your ears to my sayings. I'm, I'm hearing your word because I know faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I'm inclining, I'm listening, I'm taking a note, I'm studying it. What'd you say? Okay. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Verse 21. There's some more planning. That's some more watering. It's going to be before my eyes. I'm going to keep my eyes on the Word. I'm keeping my eyes on the promise of God because that's the harvest I'm going to get. I'm not going to look on something else. I'm looking on the harvest that I'm going to get. Keep them in the midst of your heart. It's what I fill my heart with. I'm filling my heart with the precious seed of God's Word concerning the harvest I need. And then what happens? Verse 22. They, those words that you've given attention to, that you turned your ear toward, that you set your eyes on, and you put in the midst of your heart to believe, those words are life to those that find them and health to their flesh. I need healing body. I'm planting healing seed. Lord, by your stripes I've been healed. I understand. I can see what is the natural report. But as your word said, I will believe your report and I'll receive the power of your arm in my life. I receive your report. I exalt your report above every other report. I'm planting and watering and I'm believing you're going to bring an increase to your seed in my life and make the seed grow so that the harvest that comes to pass is healing in my body. I may not see it right now, but it's in the ground of my heart. I'm planting it and I'm watering it and I believe healing is supernaturally flooding my body right now. You plant, you water, and you commit the growth of the seed to God. You don't, don't, don't leave it to God to plant and water. That's not His job. You plant. You water. You don't try to make the seed grow. That's His job. Just plant and water. Don't dig up the seed that you've planted and watered halfway through it coming to fruition. Let's go check on this seed and see if it's working. I'm going to dig it up with unbelief. Dig it up with doubt. Dig it up with fear. What if you went out and planted something? You had, you know... We talk about seeds, but tomato plants, most people around here, they buy the, you know, the little small plants. What if I went out there and I planted tomato plants, and next morning Laura saw me out there, and I had the tomato plant from the dirt up in the air looking at the roots. And I stuck it back down in there. And she saw me do it the next day. And the next day she said, what are you doing? I'm just seeing why this thing won't bring some tomatoes. You've got to leave it in the dirt. Because that's where it grows. The seed doesn't grow in the package. The seed doesn't grow in the bucket. The seed doesn't grow anywhere but the dirt. The seed needs the dirt and the dirt needs the seed. God's Word produces in the life of the believer, not within the binding of your Bible. Once I get the seed out of the package into the soil, then it's going to produce some fruit. And I'm not going to sow a little because I've found something out now that if I plant... And if I water, God's going to bring increase. Oh, man, give me start leasing out more and more land because I'm going to put more and more seed out there because I'm going to see more and more harvest. The Bible says that you can have a harvest of spiritual fruit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit will be born in your life. Romans 6.22 says you can have a fruit of holiness and righteousness in your life. Colossians 1.10 says you can be fruitful in every good work and have fruit of good works in your life. Hebrews 13.15 says that you can have praise and worship be the fruit of your lips. Romans 10 says you can have a fruit of salvation. And what I'm believing right now in this time frame, because you understand the gospel has an expiration date. James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, because the husbandman, the farmer, God, he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And he has long patience for it. And he is waiting to receive in the early and latter rain. As we look to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which nothing has to take place for that to happen. As we look to that imminent return of Christ, your prayer 
Your mission is this. Lord, I want to produce more fruit in my life than I've ever produced. I want to see more fruit come to pass in my life than ever before. I'm going to do so much planting and watering that there will be more fruit from now forward than there was from now back. And much of that, I'm believing, fruit of the earth, the souls of men and women. You have precious seed, not just for yourself, but for the people of the earth. You have something for other people to hear, to plant, and water so that they too might be saved. This is how we win people to Christ. We go out and sow the word. The same way you receive the goodness of His promises in our life. And I'm all for that. But don't be one-sided. Just like you can make this work for your life and receive what God has in store for you, sow it into someone else's life. Well, they don't look like they're taking it. Don't judge that field. Let the farmer get the rocks out. Let the farmer help cut away the thorns. You just keep casting seed every time you pass that field. You just keep throwing out some seed past that field. And what you will see is a harvest of righteousness. You'll see a harvest of salvation. You'll see a harvest of the precious fruit of the earth. Would you stand with me as we go before the Lord in prayer today? Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You're faithful. You don't change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are unchanging. And you are faithful. And we thank you, Lord, for your life-changing, life-saving, eternity-changing seed that you've given us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that by the seed of your word, we receive your divine nature. We receive the power of God in our life. Lord, we faithfully plant and water this seed knowing that you bring the harvest that will astound us, that will amaze us, that will flood our lives and fill our storehouses. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I thank you for the precious seed of the Word of God. I receive it. I hear it. I think on it. I speak it. I pray it. And I obey it. I plant. I water. And you will make the seed grow. In Jesus' name. I receive my harvest. I receive it now. It is a supernatural harvest. By the work of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. If you receive it, shout amen. amen. Now, as you're, where you're at. If you're here... Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you're not right with God, and you know it, and you want to make things right, you can do it. It's this simple. You believe in your heart that Jesus is the risen Son of God, and you say with your mouth, Jesus, you're my Lord. If you need to pray that prayer, just slip your hand up, and we'll do it right now. If you need to do that, make things right with God. Praise God. If you're here... And you need a healing touch in your body. You need healing to come to pass in your life, in your flesh. You need God to touch you with His healing anointing. We're going to pray that prayer. Do you need that? If you need that, raise your hand right now. We'll believe. Amen. Amen. We're going to believe that God's going to supernaturally heal your body right now. And we're going to pray together. Let's pray this together, church. Say, Father, you are our healer. You heal today just as you have before. You don't change. And we receive your healing by faith. We receive the payment of healing that Jesus paid with his stripes. And we say, we are the healed of the Lord. I say, I am the healed of the Lord. And I receive a healing harvest in my body. In Jesus' name.
Shout amen. amen. One last prayer. If you're here and you need God to give you knowledge and wisdom and open doors of opportunity concerning your finances so that you can make way for your family and do right by them and provide for them, lift your hand if you need a touch from God with your finances. Amen. We're going to pray this prayer. Let's pray this together, church. Say, Father, you are my provider. I'll never lack a day in my life, for you have met all my needs. Christ was made poor that I might be made rich, and I receive it now. I thank you for knowledge. I thank you for understanding, and I thank you for opportunities at the right time that I will receive a financial harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.